Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Are you going through menopause or perimenopause? It can be a struggle to find comfort in your body with night sweats, hot flashes, and so many other uncomfortable symptoms. Hormone Harmony is a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause created by Happy Mammoth. They are dedicated to making women's lives easier using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout women's lives. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CHAT at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code CHAT for 15% off today. Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 396. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there... Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan. Right now, it's mid towards the end of August 2023, and I want to say Happy birthday to Therapy Chat. Therapy Chat is now eight years old. Therapy Chat started August 15th, 2015. And almost as soon as it came out, I was highly overwhelmed by all of the work that goes into creating a podcast. But for some reason, while part of me was terrified to be seen, terrified to be heard from, a stronger part of me really wanted to get my message out there. 
I'm grateful that that part of me kept me committed to creating this podcast because at this point, Therapy Chat has been out for eight years. It's been downloaded as of today, approximately 7,273,000 times. It's been heard in over 160 countries. This is the 395th episode. There have been a few bonus episodes in there, so we're probably technically over 400 now. And I've had hundreds of guests, spent thousands and thousands and thousands of hours working on creating this show. The show has spawned a spinoff, so to speak, our sister podcast Trauma Chat, which I have not contributed any new episodes to recently, but I do have plans to revamp and re-release it soon. It's hard for me to put into words what therapy chat has meant to me. It's changed my life in so many ways, many that are not quantifiable, despite the numbers that I just shared. From that first idea to create a podcast, shout out Amy Babish for that inspiration. I didn't know what a podcast was or why I should start one. And I definitely asked her, what would I talk about? Apparently trauma is what I like to talk about. I also like to talk about creativity, self-compassion, self-care, self-connection, healing, relationships. There was the day when I interviewed Dr. Dan Siegel, which was a major turning point for me, believing that I, little old me, nobody could interview someone whose work had been so impactful in my understanding of trauma and attachment and neuroscience. Apparently, I was so excited about that that I neglected to check that my systems were working properly. And I didn't realize until it was over that our interview was not recorded. The equipment that I was using had needed an update. And because I didn't realize that it needed to be updated, the two systems I was using didn't speak to each other and the recording didn't happen. The interview took place. I knew it took place. He knew it took place and it did not get recorded. But Dan Siegel is a very generous person and kind, and he agreed to re-record, which was so kind of him and so humbling for me. Fast forward to now, I get to meet in person and virtually so many leaders in the field of trauma. I have the opportunity to use my voice to help amplify the work of other teachers and healers who are less well-known than people like Dan Siegel and this week's guest, Ariel Schwartz. The show at this point has 40,000 listeners per week. I never dreamed it would become what it is now. And like I said, metrics are great, but more important than anything to me as a measure of why I want to keep doing therapy chat and what it has achieved, the success that it has attained is how it's impacted you, the listeners. Thousands of therapists and listeners around the world have learned trauma is real, healing is possible, and many kinds of help are available. True healing is accessible to trauma survivors beyond simply symptom reduction. My hope is that Therapy Chat has helped people become empowered to learn about their options and find the type of healing that fits what has happened to them, what they've been through, who they are, and what feels right to them on their healing journeys. I get emails from people all the time, and I love it, especially when therapists say, I've completely changed the way I practice after hearing your interviews 
now that I understand how bottom-up therapy methods can help access trauma and attachment wounds held in the body, my clients are having better results than ever before, and I wish I had learned about this sooner. And Trauma Therapist Network is the baby of Therapy Chat. Therapy Chat was born eight years ago, and when Therapy Chat was six, a baby came, and the baby was Trauma Therapist Network, which is also celebrating a birthday. So Trauma Therapist Network was born in August 2021. So now Trauma Therapist Network is two. been saying, I guess, August is my month of creation, although Trauma Chat was born in June, so... There you go. But I'm deeply grateful to every listener, every guest, every member of Trauma Therapist Network, everyone who's used the TTN website to learn about trauma, to search for a therapist, everyone who's left a review or rating on Apple Podcasts. That really helps people find the show. As a side note, TTN membership is reopening next month. So if you're a therapist who wants to get that support every week, and spend time in community with other trauma therapists who get it, what our work is like, and really care about making a difference. Your opportunity to join us is in September 2023. We'll be opening the doors for new members one more time this year in September, and you can join the waiting list to get early access and a special discount when registration opens by going to go.traumatherapistnetwork.com slash join. The details are on that page. Be sure to scroll down and don't just click on join. Scroll down so you can see the different tiers of membership. This week, our conversation is, it's a follow-up to last week when I had a new interview with Dr. Ariel Schwartz, one of my most treasured teachers And this week, I'm bringing you a replay of her first episode on Therapy Chat. It's so chock full of valuable information. She talks about how childhood trauma can show up in our lives as adults, why we cling to fantasies of our parents as being safer and more trustworthy than they may have actually been as a survival strategy, and how dissociation is protective and allows us to stay connected with our family, which is what we need when we're young and vulnerable. We can't support ourselves on our own. And she very much focuses on depathologizing the adaptive strategy of dissociation. She talks about some of the ways that media has twisted and misconstrued the danger of dissociation. It's not that people who dissociate are dangerous. People with dissociative disorders are not to be feared, but dissociation can make us more vulnerable to being victimized, mistreated, exploited, and re-traumatized in our relationships with people we know and strangers. So it's important to understand the functions of dissociation. And it's important to know that if you want to heal dissociation, it is possible. And she teaches about how somatic therapy can help you access that inner child who didn't get what they needed. And she talks about how one person can make a difference in how resilient someone becomes as an adult following traumatic experiences. It's not about individual differences in how resilient we naturally are. It's more about relationships that we've had over time that protected us from the 
full impact of the traumatic experiences and attachment losses that we may have had when we were younger. I just loved this conversation. And as a follow-up to last week, I wanted to share it with you so that you could listen to it too. So if you have struggled with that question of when I go to therapy, do I have to blame my parents for everything? The answer to that is no. But Ariel explains that catch 22, that double bind, that the child who is not receiving what they need in childhood from their parents and their family is stuck with when we depend on our parents and caregivers for our survival. And at times they may not be safe. That doesn't change that we still depend on them. If you're struggling with that, that double bind, this episode may help you understand how you can work with that and how you can heal. I hope so. I'm going to be heading out of town next week to Oxford, United Kingdom for the Master Series training and the then to London for the not your not the typical psychotherapist conference that Trauma Therapist Network is sponsoring. Really excited to meet a group of therapists from around the world who will be attending that event, well both events. And If you're going to be there, feel free to send me a message on social media or email and we'll see if we can connect. Or if you see me there, just come up and talk to me. You can see I'm a pretty casual person, (laughs) although I might be jet lagged and I do struggle when I'm jet lagged. I'll do my best. Very excited to get to be with my friend Linda Ty there in person, Jamie Marich. And one very special listener, Jen Rosado, and anybody else who might be attending again, if you're there, let's meet up. That's everything for now. I hope you will enjoy my conversation with Ariel Schwartz. And if you are a therapy chat listener who wants to keep up with everything that's going on, you don't have to be a therapist to subscribe to my email list. So for therapists, I definitely encourage you to join the waiting list for Trauma Therapist Network. But for everyone, you can get my free download, Five Mistakes That People Make When Searching for a Trauma Therapist, that has suggestions and a lot of links to resources. It's free, and you can get it by joining my email list by going to go.traumatherapistnetwork.com slash five mistakes. The link's in the show notes too. You don't have to memorize it. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be back with you again soon. Take care. I almost forgot to thank Pete, my editor, who has been editing Therapy Chat for about six years. I could not do it without Pete. Thank you, Pete. And Therapy Notes, the sponsor that has been with me the longest and the most is Therapy Notes. And I'm grateful for them for helping support this show so that it can keep going. They have made it possible for me to give more of myself to this show. Thanks to Therapy Notes that this show has been sustainable. And I want to say one more shout out to someone who will probably never hear it, but Kevin Smith, the director of Clerks, that movie from, I think, the 90s, maybe even the 80s, who that's his best known film, although he has also done others. And he also has 
a very popular podcast himself. One, I think he has multiple podcasts. One's called the Smodcast. But Kevin Smith inspired me the first time I went to podcast movement, which was in 2016. I was already on the road to burnout as a podcaster. In fact, I was strongly considering giving up on podcasting only about nine months after I started because it took so much time and I wasn't sure if it was really worth anything. I didn't understand how well it was being received based on the downloads that I was getting. I didn't know how to interpret that information. It was, even at that time, it was in at least the top 5% of podcasts in terms of download numbers. And I had no idea. I just thought I was creating this thing and no one was listening and no one cared, which is, sounds like a trauma survivor, right? So, and I mean that in the no one cares, you know, I'm all alone kind of idea is I'm not making fun of that. That's a deep wound. And that's something that was driving me. So Kevin Smith was a keynote speaker at Podcast Movement. I didn't even know that he had a podcast and I didn't understand why he was a keynote speaker. But when he got up there and started talking, I laughed, I cried. He talked about creativity is worth it. It's worth it just for the sake of creating. So even if nobody's listening, even if it wasn't popular, creative expression matters. And I hope that whoever needs to hear that is hearing that right now because what you do and who you are matters. I hope you'll remember that. It was very meaningful to me to hear that. And I'm grateful for all those podcast organizations that help support independent podcasters like me, you know. Podcasting has taken off and there are huge podcasts that are run by large corporations and this one's not. And I'm really grateful that I've been able to keep it going. I have not done it alone. So once again, thanks to all of you. Excited to see what the next eight years bring. My guest today is Dr. Arielle Schwartz. Dr. Schwartz, thank you so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to meet you. You too. I'm very, very happy that we're talking and I'm excited because we're going to be talking about bringing the body into trauma therapy safely, keyword safely. But let's just start off by, if you would, could you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? I'm happy to. So I am a clinical psychologist in Boulder, Colorado, and I have lived here for about 25 years or so. Originally, I moved out here because I wanted to study somatic psychology. And uh, Naropa University is housed here, and it's one of the few programs that in the 1990s was offering master's degrees in somatic psychology. So I had this opportunity really early on. And if you're a listener and you're not sure what somatic psychology is, it's body psychotherapy. It's bringing the body into therapy. And in the 1990s, there wasn't a whole lot of awareness about this. It was really new and, and unclear and, and kind of burgeoning in the field. And now it is really kind of center in trauma-informed therapy. It really holds a very esteemed role in recognizing that we can't talk our way out of a trauma response or a traumatic event because, as Vessel van der Kolk has written, the body keeps the score. So early on in the 1990s, 
vessel would come and be part of our training, right? And Peter Levine and Pat Ogden and a lot of the the kind of founders of this of this field were all collectively, you know, in in this. I think you know it's a think tank, but it was like an embodied think tank mm. of how do we engage the body for the purpose of healing trauma. And when I graduated from that program, I had some of my own experiences. I had several car accidents that also actually were sitting on top of uh, traumatic events that I experienced in my own childhood. And when the car accidents happened, it was almost as if uh, a kind of a lid had come off of things that I had pretty well contained. And so someone had recommended that I go try EMDR therapy. And it was so beneficial for me because it allowed me to kind of access not only the recent traumatic event, but it really provided me very direct access to the unresolved traumas of my own childhood. So I was sold on EMDR after my own personal experience with it and ended up training in that in 2001. And I have now become an EMDR consultant and I have been teaching others in the EMDR and somatic therapy modality for the last 13 years or so. Wonderful. And you even have a book specifically about that, right? I do. I, um, I have the EMDR therapy and somatic psychology book. And then, you know, because again, my interest in trauma is not just single incident traumas, but it's very much this understanding that often if you're a human on the planet nowadays, you're experiencing challenges and often those challenges begin in childhood. And so the accumulation of what might be many different events that then are all stacking up and are all building up inside of the individual and informing our sense of identity, our sense of efficacy in the world, or whether we feel helpless or powerless Right, all of that really um, took my lens toward complex trauma as a focal point, and I have books on that as well, of course. Mm-hmm. The and maybe one other thing that I'll share about my uh, kind of professional background is that around the same time that I began to study somatic psychology, I also completed a certification as a yoga teacher. So I have a a very deep kind of parallel track in my work of providing therapeutic yoga for trauma. And have taught that for many, many years. Beautiful. Yes. And I'm so interested in the way you practice. And, um, you know, I know that you're a yoga teacher and all of those methods woven together, you know, the somatic psychology perspective, and EMDR and yoga. And it seems like you actually, let's talk about that since we're here. Um, what, who, what type of what would be kind of a typical presentation of someone who you would be working with and and what ways do you use in working with them yeah so again because i'm largely known for working with complex trauma and more specifically trauma that has its etiology or origins in childhood that a lot of who of whom i work with and a lot of who gets referred to me are individuals who have that background and so I specialize not only in complex trauma, but also in dissociation. And of course, dissociation often gets kind of like we have a fear response or we think of those extreme models of someone who, you know, is really fractured. But in reality, while I do work with individuals who have DID and who have 
you know, very, very kind of structural based dissociation. But I also really see that dissociation lives on a continuum. And that, uh, again, if you're a human on the planet, we all have dissociation or dissociative strategies or coping in one way or another. It could be as simple as zoning out while you're, you know, binge watching shows on Netflix or scrolling your social media or emotionally eating or um, addictive substances, right? That you're, you know, your glass of wine every night or several glasses, whatever it might be that kind of helps you cope with the world or with your internal states of what you don't want to feel. Mm-hmm. But when someone has a history of trauma from childhood, we often see that those coping mechanisms, whether it's dissociation and checking out and zoning out and fogging out, not feeling, they're stronger, they're, they're more at play. And the repercussions of those strategies tend to also show up. Like there's all of this that I don't want to feel. And often I use this beach ball metaphor. It's like, I'm trying to hold all of the emotions and all of the memories and all of the the sensations at bay. I don't want to feel any of that. I don't want to acknowledge that it's even real. And it's like trying to push a a beach ball underwater. Mm -hmm. And we can do that temporarily and it's no big deal, right? It's, It's compartmentalization, it's containment. But when we're trying to push that down constantly and chronically, at some point it's exhausting for our psyche. It's exhausting for our system. It's, you know, if you go back to the beach ball underwater, at some point your arms are going to get tired, right? Or and it get keeps bobbing up. That's right. You get <laughs> distracted and then it slips through your hands. And when it slips through your hands all at once, what happens, but it creates this big splash, right? And then you have to put it, your life back together and you have to push it back down. And so what we want to do with with really wise trauma therapy is attend to what's being held. And sometimes people are like, well, I've got five beach balls under the water, right? Like I only have two hands. I'm really working hard here. So what we want to do is really allow this to come to the surface in a slow modulated way so that once the beach ball finally reaches the surface, no big splashes happen, Mm -hmm. right? And that- that's that, a beautiful analogy, really. Yeah, yeah. And and what, what then happens is that once we're not working so hard to keep all of that out of conscious awareness, we feel more real. We feel more connected to ourselves. I can actually feel the, the, the feelings in my chest, in my belly, in my throat. I can feel connected to those different thoughts or memories that I might have. And I also have more access to my aliveness and my joy. Key. Because it's not just about what you don't want to feel, but it's what you lose access to because of the protective dissociation that is keeping you from knowing or remembering or feeling or fully grasping what happened because it's more painful than you can tolerate. That's That's the whole thing. That's right. And that's especially true when it begins in childhood, because as a child, you really need that sense of my, you know, parents or my primary caretakers are predictable and they're safe and they're good people. We need that so badly. And and when they're not good people, when they are the same people that are harming us, it creates such a, um, a intolerable feeling, right? That very often 
the reality of what's actually we're sensory, our sensory experience is telling us of what's happening can't be tolerated. And that gets pushed down. And then what we rely on is the fantasy, the fantasy of the good mommy or the fantasy of the good daddy that really underneath that scary look on their face or the alcohol on their breath or the harsh words that they're saying or the inappropriate touch that they're doing underneath all of that, they're a good mommy, they're a good daddy. And I'll rely on that fantasy as a way to actually push away the sensory reality of what happened or what's happening, right? Yeah, for survival. Yes. And we take that strategy with us into adulthood. Yeah. So I think, you know, you're already touching on something about that beach ball that it has to be buried for you to be able, you know, under the water for you to be able to stay alive because you have to be able to believe that your parents are safe and you can trust them and that they're going to take care of you because you do depend on them for survival, you know, less when you're a teen, but you know, the younger you are, you literally cannot fend for yourself. That's right. Yeah. And, and I think that quality of, um, of having to keep that at bay and then, you know, to live in the as if or to live in the fantasy and then, you know, to basically try and protect other aspects of your world from being contaminated by what might be happening at home or what what you can't talk about, right? And so then you perpetuate the part of self that basically is living as if none of those bad things are happening. And then it gets further pushed back. But I think one of my main intentions as a trauma-informed provider, as well as educator, is that I want to really depathologize dissociation. Mm. I want to recognize it as, as you just named, a survival protective response. And that no matter where you are on that dissociative continuum, you're not broken, you're not damaged. You're a human surviving this complex world. Thank you. And yes, I agree with you about the depathologizing of of dissociation. But as you kind of mentioned in the beginning, you didn't say this directly, but culturally we get in pop culture or in films and, you know, media, we get portrayals of what dissociation is. It's, you know, civil or it's, you know, something where it's, it's an extreme portrayal that is scary and it's you know it's kind of intense to be scary in that case but and dissociation can can be scary because it can feel very out of control yes and you know when you don't know what you did if it's to that extreme where you lose time and things it's you know there can be situations where you're inadvertently in an unsafe situation and because you're not fully present you're not safe but it's not you who's the danger to other people it's other people who intend harm who could be the danger to you. Exactly. And that's where the the kind of misattribution of responsibility comes in. Is that the that the interpretation is I must be the bad one. I must be the bad child. Again, I'll make them the good parent or the good the the, the good coach, the good minister, whoever it is that's supposed to be that good adult, right? I'll make them the good one, but I must be the bad one. All of those yucky feelings that I'm feeling inside, that that's a confirmation that I'm the bad one, right? And so I think those that what you're describing is that the fear then gets it kind of almost like popularized or or maximized on in the media and in how it gets spoken about. But the the, you know, when we just meet face to face with any one individual, 
it's really all about kind of having compassion and helping build compassion and build a depth of understanding for your own unique experience and your own unique uh, life. And, and it's not scary at all. It's actually just very tender, very vulnerable. Very vulnerable. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think that one of the things that's really missing in our cultural conversation, you know, I do feel like trauma is kind of a, a buzzword right now, which I'm grateful that more and more people are learning about trauma. But I, I do think that um, there's an oversimplification a lot of times in the way it's spoken about and dissociation is pretty much left out most of the time, you know, so, and, but it it's part of a trauma response. It's a, it's part of a, the protective way that our brain handles these situations so that we can live through them. And it, you know, and I, but it's so confusing because it, for the person, it's like, was that real? Did that really happen? You know? Yeah. I, I think that's such a key piece, right? If it's, it's a little bit like if the tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, did it really, did it really happen? And when trauma occurs and nobody validates it, nobody witnesses it, nobody says that really happened to you and that was bad and that was wrong. It's that same quality of, did that even happen? And do I even exist? Is what I'm feeling inside valid, right? And I really feel that that's a big part of what we do therapeutically is to go back and revisit these unwitnessed events right. and provide this kind of shared shared experience where now the individual can go back, not in the source of flashback or in the middle of the night, but with a compassionate companion who then can can kind of hear the story and go, well, that was a crime. That should never have, never have happened. And nobody protected you and nobody helped you unpack what happened afterwards. And now we get to do that. And so we're validating the reality of that experience. Yeah, that compassionate witnessing, which is what needed to happen the first time around. You know, <laughs> not true. Yeah. I mean, I know that, you know, in instances where people are abusing children, whether it's a parent, a coach, or whoever it is, some adult, that is abuse and it's a crime, but there are other types of traumatic events that can happen in childhood that nobody intended to harm anybody, but it still happened. Like a parent dies or, you know, a sibling gets cancer or something like that. And things or that- nowadays, things like a hurricane comes through your community and, and it's flooded, right? I mean, just, just last week, right? So it's, it's very real and it's, it's something to keep in mind that there's the event that happens, but then there's everything surrounding the event that either comes in and helps a child process their life experience, the death of a parent, a, uh, you know, a natural disaster, whatever it might be, or nobody helps the child process through. Nobody helps them make sense of it um, or work through their emotions that came up around them. Yes, exactly. And that's where the you know, because I have actually met a couple people who went through something really traumatic, but, and I say a couple because, you know, those aren't necessarily the people who are seeking therapy for this, but um, they went through something really traumatic, but the response that happened afterwards was great and they got through it. They got help and they, you know, and not just in a one moment, but ongoing when they needed support, they were believed, they were supported. And you don't see those people developing post-traumatic stress disorder. Exactly. So you're speaking to one of my other passions, which is around resilience and even post-traumatic growth. 
And when I have really just done a deep dive on what fosters resilience, what are the factors that help children emerge out of childhood traumatic events with resilience, the key factors that there was at least a single adult who took an interest in the inner world and an experience of that child who listened, who helped them. I, I always think of Mr. Rogers, right? Like just that, that person who is willing to show up and see that a child is a person and they have their own thoughts and their fears and their worries and their hopes and their dreams. And that when a child has that person, that their likelihood of coming out of those adverse events with greater resilience, and that's physical resilience, less health problems, emotional, psychological, mental, all of those layers is strengthened by just that one person. It's remarkable. Therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used Therapy Notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience. And one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. Thank you for saying that. That's actually one of the things that I didn't say this when we were talking before, but that I learned about that when I was in undergrad in sociology. And I was like, it only takes one person. <laughs> I could be that person for maybe one person. And that would be like a reason to, you know, feel like you contributed something to the world. Exactly. And also exactly. what I needed, you know, what we all needed when we that's, were little. That's right. Right, that compassionate witness. And, and again, like even if it doesn't happen in childhood, if, you know, I've worked with people and I'm sure you have too, who say, I never had that person. Yeah. Right. And, but because we have this ability to time travel, right, to go back in our minds and in our, in our memory. And because the body 
emerges still in the here and now with whatever's left unprocessed from the there and then. And so we have that ability to go back and loop our consciousness around those pockets of time and, and experience that were left un, unrealized and unwitnessed. And we go back to those. And now we are that adult as if we're sitting with the child. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, it's right there in our bodies, like just like it was then. And that's, you know, I guess that brings us into why it's so important to bring the body into trauma therapy. Can you talk about that a little bit more in depth? Yeah, yeah. And I'll actually tie into it another modality that I feel like is so incredibly valuable for um, for treating trauma, which is parts work therapies, mm. right? You know, that that statement I just made of, you know, we can basically time travel and we're sitting with the felt experience in the here and now in the body, but it's as if we're touching into that which never got realized or processed by the five-year-old or the seven-year-old. And so when we can really identify what is the part of the client that's still holding that, and ironically, when we're working with parts work, whether that's ego state therapy or internal family systems um, or structural dissociation model, but regardless, the body is our access, right? Um, I have a long-term client that I work with who often likes to say, my body is my inner child, right? And there is this way that resonates a lot, right? Right. That like the feeling in the belly, the, the, you know, the jitteriness, the, the heartbeat, all of those experiences, the catch in the throat, those are our access points to what didn't get to be expressed. So, you know, there's, there's the bringing the body into psychotherapy is so valuable, but we need to do it wisely. Exactly. Yeah. And, and what that really means is that we don't want to do too much too fast. We need to be in alignment with the pacing for the individual, what we call their window of tolerance or capacity to be with sensation. And if we go too much too fast or are pushing the client in a direction that they're just not ready or wanting to go, if we can really create harm. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think, again, going to trauma being kind of a buzzword right now, there are a lot of, I think it's a great thing that there are a lot of body-oriented trauma healing methods and modalities that are kind of like out there. You know, I mean, I've had clients who received from a massage therapist or an acupuncturist, like a list of exercises to do to discharge the, the trauma. And sometimes that can bring up unexpected reactions, I think. So sure, it's it's a too much too fast response. And I and I see it as well. Whether it is, you know, what used to be called things like primal scream therapy, but mm-hmm. like whether it's, you know, you know, kind of banging on pillows or letting something out in a very cathartic way. But if we don't have that capacity to contain or to have compassion internalized compassionate witness. For whatever's coming forward, we can feel re-traumatized by the emergence of all of those emotions or memories that are held there. So, you know, a wise approach to somatic work is what we refer to as pendulation or titration, which is that you go toward whatever the discomfort is or whatever the traumatic memory is, and you loop your consciousness around the somatic experience related to that. And then you come back to resource or you actually start with resource. Like you, 
And by resource, that can be awareness of safety in your here and now circumstances that you're looking around your space or that you're holding on to something that's an anchor for I know that I'm safe now, right? Or your, you know, safety might be a sensation or a feeling in your body that doesn't feel triggering. Or your resource might be an, uh, a time that you remember feeling really safe and loved with a person that was a really loving, compassionate um, presence in your life. So you can use your imagination, your senses, you know, grounding into your legs and feet. Your breath might be a resource. We have a lot of different ways that we can find basically states of connection, states of calm, states of ease. And then we can turn towards whatever the distress is. But, you know, if we have, if we dive into the distress, it's like jumping into the deep end before you've learned how to swim and you don't have your swimmings on, right? Like we want to find our way to learn how to, to get into the water of whatever that traumatic material would be without feeling like we're going to drown there. Yes. And I think, again, that's where, like, personally, I feel that every therapist who's working with people, <laughs> every therapist should have basic training in trauma and also learning how to identify, I guess you could, the easy way to say it would be how to identify where the person is within their window of tolerance. But it's, I feel like it's really being able to recognize the signs when someone is out of their window of tolerance, especially dissociation, yeah. because yeah. it can look so the same as, you know. Right. And it, I, I think that's exactly what I was going to say is that what can be so tricky is that when you have someone that is a highly functional, mm -hmm. you know, individual because they had to develop that high functioning to cope with their trauma in childhood and they come into your office and they got it all put together. Right. And, you know, and in a way it can feel so threatening to get under that, to under the surface of that. But on the other hand, the you know, that high functioning, you know, self can feel cut off, disconnected, um, or suddenly go into this rage when your kid triggers you or your spouse triggers you, right? So there can be this split between that, like, I've got it all put together. Actually, what you're calling, I've got it all put together is a functional freeze. Mm. Can you say a little more about that? Yeah, I think it's, it's a, another way of coping. It's a, it's one way that, that we can, you know, override difficult child events, right? If you, I mean, even simple things, we were talking again about like more extreme experiences of, of uh, abuse or, you know, uh, uh, the loss of a parent or a, a big event, but actually it can be a lot of accumulation of very subtle events or the missing pieces, right? Growing up in a family where you've been neglected, where no one really validated your feelings, where you had to perform well in order to be approved of in your family. If you, you know, your good grades, it was, you know, that you had everything put away, that you ate all the food on your plate, right? All of these things. And so then when there's distress, and if, the, if you're in a family that has a very collective low tolerance for emotional distress, then the way to belong in that family is to contain the distress. And then once again, I'm going to act as if I'm fine, but I've pushed everything down like that beach ball. Right? Yeah. So there's this high functioning. I'll do fine in school. I'll have my manners. I'll say yes, please. I'll say no, thank you. Right. But underneath, I hate when you do that. Or why don't you ever listen to me? Or I cry myself to bed at night. I have anxiety and panic attacks, but nobody knows. Or constantly thinking about 
killing yourself and, you know, wondering why am I not happy when I have achieved so much and I have everything I thought I ever wanted and, but I'm still not happy. What's wrong with me? Why can't I be happy? Why can't I appreciate my life? Enjoy this. Right. Right. I, I, I should, I shouldn't feel this way and I must be an ungrateful child. Mm -hmm. And those are the kinds of phrases that we hear again and again. Yeah. Wow. I love, you know, I've actually not heard that functional freeze before, but it makes total sense um, because it's like, as long as you don't go there, you're fine, but you're not fine because you don't feel fine inside. Yes. As far as anyone can tell, you're fine. Right. And so going back to where we started on this piece, when, when you're a therapist and the client is coming in and they're telling you about all the things that are going okay, right? And we're missing the fact that actually that's their coping mechanism. And underneath that is all of the unexpressed distress. But because I imagine that everyone expects me to have it all together, I'll take that part of me right into therapy. So what we really want to do is help move toward that more authentic self. Once again, both for the sake of turning towards where the, the real hurt feelings got cut off, but also where you're you know, real capacity for joy and meaning and connection and, and love reside. Yes. And, you know, that is very beautiful what you just said. And I keep, you keep reminding me about, you know, that, that idea that it's not just the pain that we don't want to touch that we're somewhat detached from with complex trauma and dissociation, but it's the joy and the feeling of being connected and the feeling of, wow, it's good to be alive. And you know, connection with people we love and yeah, when all that richness other, inside. Yeah. One of the other kind of influences in my work is what we refer to as strength-based psychotherapy, right? And it doesn't mean that we want to ignore the distress. Obviously, that's been the primary focus of what we're speaking about, but that we can also turn towards what are the existing resources? How did you survive all those years? You know, where have, where do you feel empowered? Where do you have a voice? What are, what brings you joy, right? Who takes care of you? Um, who did take care of you in your life if you can find those people? Yeah. And that really does a lot to sort of make it feel safer to explore the more painful places too, when you can remember, oh yeah, I have strengths and I have, I'm not, you know, because it's like, like a child, you know, that sense of mastery, we want to feel in control. We want to feel like we know what's going to happen, feel a sense of competence. And that's some of the things that trauma really interferes with, I feel. Well, I am so glad that you are doing what you're doing and writing about it and teaching and training and doing your direct work with clients. Can you tell us a little bit about for clinicians and for people who aren't therapists but are wanting to explore trauma healing? What are you offering? What's out there that you've got going on that people can find? Yeah. Thank you for asking. I you know, I, I think one of the things that has been a very kind of spiritually driven and kind of heartfelt desire is to create as much accessible resources, as many accessible resources out there as possible for the lay person, for anyone, for anyone who's experienced trauma, especially because we are aware that we are facing a mental health crisis as we you know, I think it's been around for a long time, but it's exacerbated by the pandemic and by, you know, so much of what has been emerging in these recent years. 
So the, you know, the resources that I have out there, one is my website and my blog, and that's at drarielschwartz.com. And then I'm also in, uh, on Facebook um, under Dr. Ariel Schwartz and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram, I think is Ariel Schwartz older, something like that. So you can find me on all the, the socials. But the, I, one of my pandemic projects was to create a YouTube channel. And at this point, I have about 80 videos on there that are free and they are either yoga classes or small mini yoga based somatic practices that you can do for, to nourish your nervous system. I have a lot of emphasis on the vagus nerve and on kind of how we can really engage body and mind together. And then there's some you know, short trauma talks that are on there as well. And then in terms of programs, I, you know, I have my books out there. So I have books for, again, the client or, or you know, anyone. So those are the complex PTSD workbook. I have the practical guide to complex PTSD. I have the post-traumatic growth guidebook. I have a, a six-hour audio program called Trauma Recovery, a mind-body approach to becoming whole, and that is what sounds true. And for the clinician who is seeking to become more trauma-informed, there are all of those books that you can use with your clients, but also there is the EMDR Therapy and Somatic Psychology book and the Complex PTSD Treatment Manual. That's a lot. <laughs> Lastly, um, I'll just share with you that um, I have plenty of trainings for clinicians through PESI and um, a really exciting uh, learning opportunity for clinicians wanting to become more aware of how to work somatically. And this is through the Embody Lab. And we have a very soon to emerge uh, somatic trauma therapy certificate program that is for practitioners to learn how to integrate somatic therapies into your work. And then starting in January through Sounds True, we are going to launch a nine-month program that is for the individual seeking to heal from trauma, recognizing that accessing trauma therapists can be challenging. We are going to take you through a nine-month journey of what we believe are the best modalities out there experientially for your own healing. So those are some of the upcoming offerings. So wonderful. And, you know, I knew about almost all of those resources, except for the YouTube channel, which I'm definitely telling myself, I'm going to check that out. Maybe watch some of those tomorrow. Can't do it today, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very appreciative that you are making things available and accessible to as many people as possible. Because as you said, and especially with the pandemic, and the racial injustice that's been happening and the climate crisis, you know, natural disasters everywhere, partly because of, you know, the situation with the climate. People are having a hard time even getting in with even a therapist who isn't trauma-informed right now. So as much as possible, and I'm going to, I'll ask you if I can share some of these things on my new website too, because I want, it's in the same way, I want people to be able to get help even if, they can't connect with a therapist for whatever reason. So thank you for everything you're doing. And thank you so much for coming on to Therapy Chat today. It's been really joy to speak with you. Thank you. Really a pleasure to be with you.
Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today.